is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center Podcast. We have made it to the end of the regular season. This is our week 18 review, the first ever week 18 review. It's the first time we've ever had an NFL season go this long. The two Malloy boys have been tasked with rounding out the end of the season. We're going to chat a little bit today about some of the coaches that have instantly lost their jobs based on their performance over the last year. Uh, Then we're going to talk about who did and did not make it into the playoffs. And finally, uh, whether or not we think those are are valid and whether there's some teams we thought maybe should have made it in that managed to whiff it and blow it right at the end of the season. And to help me do that, I'm joined by Rain. Rain, thanks a million for joining us. Yeah, much appreciated uh, being on. Obviously, I haven't been on in a while. Uh, Christmas got in the way and all that sort of thing, but glad to be back. Yeah, and it's an interesting show. It's not the easiest show ever to wrap up. We'll go through some of our thoughts as best we can, try and find the interesting nuggets. But the reality is, as soon as the season ends, no one really gives a crap anymore. It's all about the playoffs. It's all about those teams that make it into the playoffs. And so we have a a nice little job of summarizing things up. But I suspect the lads show uh, coming up later in the week will be quite a bit more controversial than what we have to say today. Ryan, what do you think? I think you're probably right. Mind you, two Malloys in the house, there's always something controversial to be said. We're in control. We've no Dara or anything to keep us in track. But we are going to start off with probably the most obvious place to start off. It's called Black Monday for a reason. It usually doesn't take NFL teams too long to decide when they've had enough of a head coach, especially if the season hasn't gone to plan. Now, there were some firings already during the season, Matt Rule of your Carolina Panthers went mid-season. Uh, they had Steve Wilkes as the interim coach. He finished pretty well. He he ended up with a record of five and six, Rain. This is your team. You've been keeping a good eye. And maybe it's a good place to start. Do you think he has any shot at taking this job full-time? Or do you reckon they'll go for a more established name? Maybe one of the new head coaches that has just come out onto the market. I think there's a, a couple of schools of thought on this one, right? So I think a lot of the fans love the way Steve Wilkes as a person. He's a Charlotte guy, born and bred in Carolina. So he obviously fits that mold. He's a leader of men as well, which seems to be the way for the Carolina Panthers. They really need a strong leader um, in charge there. But, I mean, the way that David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, is talking, he said when Steve Wilkes took over, this guy would need to do an exceptional job to be considered for the full-time role. Um, And, yeah, that's just not a great endorsement of the guy, particularly when you haven't even seen him in that role previously. I think a lot of the fans, myself included, would like to see him get a shot. I'd like to see him get a quarterback in the upcoming draft and really work with that because let's face it, he did not have anything in that position and that is the most important position on the field. Uh, So I'd like to see what he can do. Obviously, he's a defensive guy, um, but, you know, move on, um, McAdoo, get in somebody from the kind of McVeigh or Shanahan tree and see what we can do, you know, with with a decent young quarterback. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the quarterback there. And also, one big talking point about the Carolina Panthers this season was they moved on from running back Christian McCaffrey. 
Uh, and initially, it looked like a reasonably good move in that they did have the running back capacity to fill in for him. They ran pretty well on the ground. I think it was uh, Dante Foreman was the main guy and then also uh, Chubba Hubbard in there behind him. It, But that kind of fell off towards the end of the season. Do you think that kind of contributed to, to Steve Wilkes maybe struggling? Well, I say fell off, and I have to say I had Foreman as my running back in fantasy. Picked him up right when... Uh, before anyone took their eye on him. And I had to say, I was a little bit disappointed in the last couple of weeks. That might be a biased assessment of the overall Panthers running game. You can maybe fill me in a little bit better. But uh, do you think that didn't necessarily help Wilkes? Like you said, he came in with a team that's not necessarily uh, a Super Bowl contender. And the fans enjoyed how he played the football. He got the, the team on his side. How exceptional did he have to do? Was it always a bar? that was intentionally set too high. Maybe start off with the running back and then and then get to that second point. Yeah, so in terms of the running back, obviously, you know, Steve Wilkes decided, he as the head coach decided that the Carolina Panthers would shift to a more downhill rushing attack uh, once he took over. And I think probably Christian McCaffrey would have helped a lot in that instance. Now, you said that the, the rushing attack kind of fell off towards the end of the season. I don't see that happening, to be honest. It's just kind of Chuba Hubbard took a more substantial role in it. Like, just looking at the weekend, you know, Chuba Hubbard had 69 yards. Dante Foreman had 68 yards. Sam Darnold had 32 yards. He was actually a really important part of the running game once he did come back. So, yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen Christian McCaffrey in the scheme that they were running. But at the same time, I think it was a good move for them to have moved him on got the draft capital, uh, freed up that cap room. And yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Maybe they can use that draft capital to uh, move up in the draft to get themselves a quarterback. Well, no, uh, we'll, oh, sorry, go ahead, finish that. I can't remember what the second part of your question was, to be honest. That was the roster. He said he had to perform, the, uh, Tepper said he would have to perform exceptionally to be made permanent. But was the ro- do you think he was ever judged with the roster in mind or would he have had to overcome all of those odds and do something truly incredible or do you think he was asked to be exceptional while Tepper kept in mind what the roster looked like as he took it over as you mentioned not really a top-notch quarterback or anything to to fall back on right and outside of you know DJ Moore at wide receiver they didn't have a whole lot of talent out there Terrace Marshall sold flashes uh, he's been working that joke machine pretty hard with the sphincter um but yeah, so I think I would have preferred to see Steve Wilkes go six and five as opposed to five and six to finish off the season, maybe make the playoffs if he had done that. Um, so yeah, I think he did, he's done a really good job. He definitely hasn't performed exceptionally to use the word that David, David Tepper used. Um, so yeah, personally, I don't see him getting the job. It's probably going to be somebody like D'Amico Ryan coming out of, um, coming out of San Francisco. Well, look, we'll save the really deep analysis for the offseason. I'm sure we'll have a chance not to, not just to go through and dissect the Panthers season as a whole, but also obviously the draft up coming and where do you think they need to, to build on. So we'll keep moving up the ladder. After uh, Matt Rule went, the next man down was Frank Reich for the Indianapolis Colts. They brought in Jeff Saturday. He started off hot, won his first game, and it looked like he was going to be uh, a bit of a wonder signing but then he fell off significantly. I don't think it gets any worse than losing the next six games on the bounce. And I don't think he had the same 
I don't think you could argue that the Colts roster was as bad as the Panthers roster. I don't know what don't know what you make. For me personally, I think Jeff Saturday had a really poor showing in the end. I don't think he did enough to earn the full-time position. There are talks that he's still in consideration for that. How did you assess his end-of-season turmoil that he brought to the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, I mean, losing in the last game of the season to the Texans is just a dreadful, dreadful way to finish out the season. But really, when this signing happened, right, the, the rumblings were, how is this possible? This guy is a high school football coach. Uh, he shouldn't have got the job in the first place. And why are we now expecting him to have performed any better than he did? You know, yeah, he started out well, but you kind of see that sometimes with new coaches coming in, a new face. They get a little bit of energy up in the dressing room. But at the end of the day, he's just not an NFL uh, head coach material. Now, he may be sometime down the line, but right now he is not. So I can see them moving on from him. But I totally understand why they moved on from Frank Reich when they did. He was not performing well either. Yep, uh, I agree. I think that the overall the season for the Indianapolis Indianapolis Colts is going to be quite disappointing from the fans. We'll we'll look to get some people on during the offseason and kind of discuss that because I really feel like there was a lot of positivity about that team going into the season and and they let it they let themselves down a little bit. Uh moving on, because we won't hang around too long on these firings. The Denver Broncos were next up. They fired Nathaniel Hackett on St. Stephen's Day. Not a great Christmas present, I have to say, but he did not perform very well he had an awful season you could definitely if you're me put a lot of that down to russell wilson and that whole signing i think he's definitely underperformed and maybe again a common thread happening here in of the of the firings of not just poor performances but underperformances worse than expected for the rosters as they came into the preseason does that fit that mold yeah, 100% it does. Um, I think Nathaniel Hackett kind of got put in a poor situation from the get-go. He was brought in as Aaron Rodgers' mate. You know, he was the uh, hotshot OC out there in Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers was apparently meant to be a shoe-in to come to Denver before he decided to turn around and stay in Green Bay. So then when he had a big ego like Russell Wilson, who's at the end of his career, talent's dropping off a little bit. Uh, he really got stuck in that situation. And, you know, it's surprising. Most of these coaches uh, in the past have been given more than a year. You never saw a firing after one year. Or he, he didn't even make it a full year, which is just insane. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of weird the way that's changing. You're getting less and less time now to prove yourself in this league. I don't know. I'd say that's probably going to be a good thing overall for the level of coaching talent in the league, that you just cut the fat as soon as you see it and get rolling with the next hotshot. Yeah, I think it's going to it's definitely going to make things interesting. I think it definitely feeds into that kind of start the draft picks early if you go and reach for guys it's that whole same mentality. And while there's pros and cons for that for us as fans, I think it's really interesting you get to see new guys, the storylines sometimes are a bit better, you get guys popping on the scene and it gets really exciting. One of the most interesting storylines about this Broncos scenario though is the connection with Sean Payton. The uh, New Orleans Saints still hold his rights because he retired with them with some years left on his contract. There was some confusion, and I have to say I was involved about whether or not the Broncos reached out to Sean Payton before the tampering period had ended and whether that was allowed or not. 
apparently now new stories have come out of they did reach out to the uh the saints with regards to contacting sean payton and then did go ahead and contact and interview him for the head coaching position it is been also floated that the saints would want at least a first round draft pick for sean payton is this a risky move rain or do you find that if they could get sean payton that's a that's a slam dunk and he can translate the success he has with the saints to any of these rosters in the nfl because i'm not so sure yeah i i don't think that's a slam dunk because i think when you get somebody like um like him into the building he's going to want to bring guys along that he's had around for a long time in the saints but they're still locked up at the saints right so it's going to be a tough one. They're going to have to spend draft capital to get the rest of the coaching staff out of there. And I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Sean Payton is an absolutely exceptional coach, but I don't think he's going to be the one who can fix this Broncos team uh, in any quick amount of time. Nor do I think uh, Harbaugh is going to be the answer either. He's just stay in college, do his thing with Michigan. He seems to be doing a good job out there. So just leave him at it. Yeah, I have to say, I think we talk about quarterbacks a lot on this show. A lot of NFL rosters revolve around those guys. And I think the Broncos issues are going to revolve around whether or not they can sort out uh, Russell Wilson and get him playing good football again or find a suitable way to move on from him much more than it will about who's at the helm in terms of head coach. Certainly, he can do some things and change some things. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is brought in and he can bump the wing column up a little bit. But in terms of getting back to the competitive side that the the new ownership are going to want to to be at i think there are a lot of building blocks that need to be put in place and it's not necessarily moving on from russell wilson maybe you can get more out of him but certainly i think that quarterback position as always in the nfl it's going to be key for them yeah we're gonna yeah i think gonna... i think though can i just say one last yeah thing? Go, go, I, I, go. I i think that uh russell wilson I, I i still think he has some talent left in him right but i don't think sean payton and russell wilson are the right fit but unfortunately, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson is locked in at Denver. Nobody's going to take him. It's a poison chalice in terms of his contract at the minute. Uh, so Sean Payton, we saw a lot with Drew Brees. He liked to go over the middle, create throwing lanes. But Russell Wilson is allergic to that. He will not throw between the numbers. He wants to throw deep. He wants to throw outside. That doesn't shoot, suit Sean Payton. And Sean Payton doesn't suit, suit that quarterback style. So I think, yeah, it's it's not a good idea for him to go out there. Yeah, maybe one of those uh, head coaching positions to watch. There's certainly going to be some drama there one way or the other. Moving on to maybe, in, in my opinion, one of the more surprising firings of the five we have to talk about. Ones that just happened here on Black Monday. The first one was the Houston Texans let go of Lovie Smith. His record this season was 313-1. and one. Uh, He had replaced uh, David Cully, who was also fired after one season. I believe he went four and 13 in his season uh so they're moving on fast what surprises me the most about this rain is i don't know what they expect given the roster that they had i'm not sure what they expected lovey smith to achieve in what was a little bit more competitive football by the end of the season maybe too little too late on his behalf but uh i felt he did about as well as anyone else could do with that roster he had underneath them what do you think yeah, it's interesting. It feels like he was maybe brought in as a fall guy, right? Because A, they don't have a quarterback. Their quarterback room stinks, okay? And Lovey Smith came in and inherited that and had no way of moving up in the draft because there, there was no good quarterbacks coming out, right? So they could have taken, uh, I don't know, um, 
pick it, but I mean, that's not a guaranteed mm-hmm. improvement on what you have in the building already. Um, but yeah, even his, even his hiring was a little bit odd, right? His his record in college wasn't that great. His record in the NFL wasn't that great. So I really do feel like he was brought in as a fall guy, a one-year dude where they can go, oh, well, the head coach wasn't great, so we'll get rid of him, bring in a new guy. They're going to have probably CJ Stroud next season who looks like he's going to fit in well in the NFL. Uh, so the next guy along is obviously going to have a little bit more success and then you could point to it and say, well, look what we did. We got the right head coach for the job. Yeah, well, personally, I think it could be, you mentioned Poison Chalice when it comes to Russell Wilson's contract a minute ago. I think this head coaching job might be a Poison Chalice. Yes, like you said, sure, you could get a quarterback like CJ Stroud. I think that improves your odds a lot. But it's really been shown that even average performances, this ownership is willing to ax you pretty quickly. So unless the guy, the head coach gets in and gets at least enough money guaranteed to dissuade them from from cutting their losses and moving on from i think this might be another one and done season if the head coach that does land that job isn't very very careful the last head coaching job we have to talk about is the arizona cardinals probably predicted by many given the performance this year uh, kyler murray has significantly underperformed the offense has significantly underperformed granted both kyler murray and um What's the wide receiver's name? DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins missed chunks of the season, which always makes it difficult for the head coach, especially one that's lauded as being an offensive mind. But I was quite surprised, Rain. Cliff Kingsbury fired his final record, 28-37-1. I thought he was a little bit more successful than that. I was quite surprised to see the loss column. Obviously, 4-13 and this season doesn't, doesn't really help, help now. Uh were you surprised? Did you did you ever like this Cliff Kingsbury Kingsbury project? He came in very highly touted out of college. Yeah, yeah, but it's another college uh, head coach. You know that, that it's it's something about them. They just don't seem to work in the league. And people like to point at Pete Carroll and go, "Oh, but he's USC. He's USC." No, he started out in the NFL. That's where he learned his trade. He brought that pro style to USC when he was out there, and then came back to the NFL. So, uh, it, yeah, it baffles me that people look to these uh, college coaches uh, and see their records there and say think it'll automatically translate over uh, to the NFL. I thought in his time with the Cardinals, um, he was reckless in terms of his offensive play calling. Um, he was somewhat clueless about time management and that sort of thing. And I really thought the writing was on the wall for a couple of years. I mean, he's been somewhat successful, right, with with wins early on in the season, but he always seems to fall off at the end. And I don't know whether that's down to him or whether that's down to their conditioning or it's down to the roster. But at the end of the day, the head coach needs to be accountable for all of this stuff. And he just hasn't fixed the problems uh, that he's had in this roster. So, yeah, I think it was time for them to move on. Mm. One thing I do want to ask you before we also move on, is uh, one interesting story that obviously came out during the season that was in the headlines, and I wonder how much Cliff Kingsbury had to do with it, was the infamous clause in Kyler Murray's new contract that said he needed to watch a certain amount of film. And I wonder if Cliff Kingsbury was involved in that decision and if that's a layover from his college days, and maybe that's a reason where that he lost the offense and that he treated these guys 
like the college students that he was used to. And maybe that ended up being a bit of a a bad sign because we saw something similar with Urban Meyer. Anytime these weird stories comes out and it seems to be associated a lot with these former college uh, head coaches, just these weird stories that you don't expect that don't come out of established head coaches like say Mike Tomlin and the Steelers or that have been around the league for a long time just unusual stories obviously not the same with the Jaguars last season and then with Kyler Murray this season but now I'm starting to get nervous anytime I see a weird story come out of a locker room I think it's probably uh probably a bad sign that something weird something funky is happening in the background of those franchises yeah, well, I mean, we saw the kind of relationship deteriorate a lot between Cliff Kingsbury and uh, Kyler Murray this season. We saw them verbally like shouting at each other on the field, which is never a good look. And whether or not Cliff Kingsbury had got anything to do with that clause in Kyler Murray's contract, I'd still say he probably blames him a little bit for it. I mean, it, it was a weird one for me anyway, this whole uh, homework clause. I mean, I understood it when it was uh, Jamarcus Russell, you know, he, he was renowned for not learning the playbook. But Kyler Murray hasn't been making like terrible decisions on the field. He seems mm-hmm. to know when to get out of the pocket. Maybe he breaks out a little bit too early. But I mean, when you have talent like that with your legs, I think you can be given a bit of leeway. So I don't know where this kind of contract clause came from maybe they saw something we didn't but for me it was totally unnecessary and it really did end up with the the head coach and the quarterback at odds with each other yeah I agree so we'll leave the head coaches there that's something we'll keep an eye on as the season goes on I'm sure there will be more vacancies coming up and we'll also keep an eye on who fills the ones that are there Uh, and we're going to move on now and just take a look at the playoff picture as it stands There was a couple of permutations to play out at week 18. We know where they've all fallen now. We're going to start in the AFC. Your number one seed in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, They rolled in past the Raiders last week on Sunday, 31-13. They will have the bye week. Uh, Do you feel that's an accurate representation, that number one seeding for you, Reen? Are they the strongest team in the AFC right now? I mean, for me, it's between them and the Bills, and maybe you could start bringing uh, the Cincinnati Bengals into that kind of conversation as well, particularly on recent form. They seem to have hit their stride. They're humming on offense. Their defense is playing well. But at the end of the day, yeah, the the Kansas City Chiefs have looked pretty much unflappable the entire season. Uh, They had those couple of missteps, but at the same time, they have Patrick Mahomes. He's the leader in... um, yardage this season touchdown passes uh so when you have that you're always going to be a good football team and yeah i mean i i i predicted that they would be the number one seed at the start of the season and that's how it's turned out hmm. if anything as you mentioned rain so you the two teams you mentioned the bills and the bengals they are of course the two and the three seed respectively i think what's interesting for me is uh while cincinnati might be the lowest probably rated of those three they have the best running game the other two the kansas city chiefs and the buffalo bills don't have the world's strongest running game now they tend not to have to rely on it with such with the wide receiver weapons that they have but that might be an interesting wrinkle and an interesting dynamic to watch as we get towards the end of the playoffs and 
some of these teams might start to meet up. What do you think? Do you think is that Kansas City's one big weakness at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it gets down to it. You know, it's late January. Uh, your playoffs. You have the Kansas City Chiefs rolling into. Oh, they wouldn't be rolling into Cincinnati. But I mean, in the cold weather down there in Kansas City, a good running game helps you out no end. So, like we saw games last season, like kind of where the um, the Patriots beat the Bills. I think they passed the ball six times, and that was because they had an excellent running game. The Bills were still a force last season. So, um, yeah, I can see that really, really benefiting them down the stretch, particularly when the weather starts to get bad. Next up on the list is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They managed to steal the fourth seed with a 9-8 and eight record, so uh, the second worst record in the AFC playoffs. How important will that be to grab that four seed and have a home playoff game against the LA Chargers? And how do you see that going? Obviously, LA Chargers come in ranked fifth in these playoffs. What way do you see that game shaking out? I think it's I think it's a toss up. Um, the 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 Chargers have been up and down a lot, really. Um, they've they've had some trouble on the offensive line keeping guys healthy. Uh, they've had some trouble outside as well keeping the wide receivers healthy. Now they have got back Keenan Allen, and he has been a huge benefit to that offense. But I mean, you cannot rule out these Jags going from the position that they were in last year, being ranked worst overall, getting the number one pick in the draft. Uh, to being where they are now with a home game in the playoffs, they're absolutely a wild card, and the, I, do, I don't think you can reel them out at all. Mm-hmm. And finally, the lower seeds of the AFC. We've got Baltimore in sixth. They'll be taking on the Bengals, and then Miami rounding out the playoffs, uh, and they'll be facing Buffalo. Do you give those two teams any chance? The Ravens uh, have the worst conference record of all the teams in the playoffs just six and six this season in the AFC against AFC opponents Uh, they have struggled on offense mightily the last few weeks Lamar Jackson missing is an obvious reason for that but it seems strange there was a lot of wondering about where he has actually been whether or not he is being held out or if he's holding out or if it is injury related Uh, what do you make of that whole scenario let's start off with the Ravens uh, how do you see their chances against a very strong Bengals team? Well, as you said yourself, the um, the Lamar Jackson injury has been a little bit murky. Nobody really knows when he's due back. And I think if he is not back by this game, they're going to have very little chance against this Bengals team. This Bengals team is really strong. Um, I do like Tyler Huntley uh, as a quarterback, but he is no Lamar Jackson. So I, I think, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a rough one for them on the day, uh, unless something goes their way. But I mean, they don't have home field advantage. They don't have Lamar Jackson. And yeah, it's, it's just going to be a struggle, I think. Mm-hmm. And finally, to wrap up the AFC playoff picture, the Miami Dolphins bumbled their way into the playoffs with a was it a 9-6 or a 6-3 win over the Jets there in week 18 third string quarterback granted uh, but pretty ugly football and they've been struggling a little bit towards the end of this season two has been in and out of the roster similar to the story with the Baltimore Ravens that might explain a little bit have they any hope against this Buffalo Bills or do you reckon uh, this is the end of Miami Dolphins season I mean, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't want to rule them out, particularly if they can get Tua back for this game. I think he plays an important part in that offense. Um, but at the same time, I would be heavily, heavily favoring the Bills. Like, um, yeah, it, that that they're just an, an excellent team. The 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 Bills are so. Um, yeah, I'd like to see the um, the Dolphins put it up to them, but I I don't really see it happening. Right, we'll leave that there, and we'll move on to the NFC. Their first seeding is a team I know very well, the Philadelphia Eagles. They matched the Kansas City Chiefs for the best records in football at 14-3. and And they pretty much dominated wherever they played, both in the division, the NFC East, and in the conference. 4-2 and in the division, 9-3 and in conference play. That's a really strong football team. I think personally that Wentz has, or Wentz Hurts has asked, answered a lot of questions that were about them at the end of the season. I think they've made very savvy moves to make the offense available to him, both in the passing game and suitable for him to use the very dangerous weapon that is his legs. And he's becoming a very dangerous runner on the ground. Do you agree with that assessment? Have you anything to add about what you saw from the Philadelphia Eagles? Obviously they have a a first round buy in these playoffs. So we'll talk a little bit about how the season went. Yeah, so the, I I I like the way Hertz has played this season, but I think their strength of schedule has been uh, bad enough for me not to fully be convinced that he can go all the way. Right, I want to see how he does in the playoffs this season to actually fully endorse the guy. Um, but I mean, as you said, he has got such great athleticism so dangerous with his legs he can always be a game changer no matter what the game uh, so i do give the eagles a very good chance of making the um, the super bowl but i just want to see how he does when it comes down to playoff football uh, before i give him that ringing endorsement i think it'll be really interesting to see uh, him play against a really good defense one that maybe gets to play the game in the lead and have the Eagles try and chase a game or also that can really stuff the run game that they have and force them to become a little bit more one dimensional and then they've had to, they've had to run. He's been obviously very effective on the ground. So has the running game that Eagles offensive line uh, has a couple of pro bowlers on it, but I'll be interested to see if, if some team managed to stop the run, what can he do with his arms? Cause I think maybe that was a little bit of the problem that was at the end of last season that raised some of those issues that people had about him is, is the arm talent super special? And I think it might be, I think it might be, but I don't think he's been really super tested against any of the top opponents in the NFL so far this season, but we'll move on from the Eagles and we'll move on to the 49ers are the second seed. They have the best conference record, 10 and two. They went unbeaten in their division and they're coming in hot despite playing with the last man picked in the NFL draft last season, Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, Rain seem to play very well with quarterbacks that don't need to do anything special. And they seem to get a lot of hate. I'll never understand why so many people hate Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, he's not spectacular, but he won a lot of games under center. He got him to the, to the play into the playoffs several seasons. Uh, is this just a very good overall team? Maybe the best overall team in the NFC, or is that still the Eagles for you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you 
traded the quarterbacks, you would have the best team in the league, never mind in the NFC. Um, but unfortunately, they are stuck there with with the the QB situation at the minute. Now, like you said, I don't get why people hate on the way they play the game of football. They they've they've engineered it to perfection where they don't need a guy who can sling the ball 60 yards as long as he is able to execute what he is told to do on every single play they're going to win games and we are seeing that year in year out now the whole jimmy garoppolo thing i kind of understand where people are coming from like when it comes down to it uh in the playoffs is he going to win you that game i don't think he is i think the guys around you around him are going to win the game so maybe i see where that is but i really like the way brock purdy has been playing so far uh, since he came in so i give the 49ers a good chance to make a good run in these playoffs um but it is a difficult little challenge that they have to play in the first round with the seahawks that's in division it's always always gonna be tough yep i think if anything that six and all record that i mentioned in the division is gonna stand with them uh but you never know like you said it's winning winning you or losing you go home in these playoffs and that can throw up some interesting results sometimes the next team on the list is the Minnesota Vikings at the third seed. They finish with the same record as the San Francisco 49ers, 13 and four. Uh, they did a little bit worse though in conference play, eight and four. Uh, how do you feel about Kirk Cousins? Because on this show, any of our regular listeners will know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. I felt that they kind of wobbled here into the playoffs. The last couple of games haven't been the best results. Do you think they can shake that off? Do you think that's going to affect the playoff performances? Because they can turn it on at a moment's notice, I feel. Yeah, they, they have a, they have a really nice roster built up up there in, in Minnesota. Um, but I do think that their hamstring at the minute is the quarterback. I don't like Kirk Cousins. I particularly don't like him when it gets to big games, games where he needs to win. We've seen it. I mean, like he had a few games where he just imploded this season in must-win games. Uh, I mean, against the Packers, the second go-around, he did not do well at all. And that was one where he could have really sealed up that NFC North uh, at the time. And he was just awful during that game. It's like when the lights come on, he gets stage fright. He's, he looks like a deer in the headlights. Um, so, yeah, like you said, they really wobbled their way in, even though the record has been very, very good. I mean, equal records with San Francisco. Who would you take in a game played between the two? San Francisco, no doubt, every single time. So mm -hmm. that's my assessment. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about their opponents now coming up in a couple of minutes. Uh, the fourth seed is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's Tom Brady. It's the playoffs. Is there much more we need to talk about? I feel like anything can happen. They're not, for sure, not the best team in the playoffs, but it's very, it's a bit like uh, Aaron Rodgers in the regular season. It's very hard not to write off, or to write off Tom Brady when it comes to playoff football. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I agree with you there. And I think the key for them is that defense. They, they've become a really, really stingy unit uh, in terms of points allowed and the running game. So that's like the running game is the pillar that you build all your offense off. And if you can't do that, you're not going to be scoring many points. And we've seen that with them, right? So they're getting a lot of games down to one score in the last two minutes. And you put Tom Brady in that situation, Tom Brady is going to beat you every single time. So absolutely, they have a chance here, uh, as they always do when they get to the playoffs. 
Yeah, I think there's some guys on that uh, Buccaneers team that will be playing angry. I just had the name in my head, and I'm after going blank. What's the Buccaneers wide receiver? Uh, Mike Evans. Mike Evans. He's had a very quiet season, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe catches fire a little bit in this playoff. Maybe some teams knocking him down a little bit on their danger rating when they scout these teams. Uh, I think that could be a big problem if you don't take Mike Evans seriously. Tom Brady knows how to find him and knows how to pull you apart. He still had a thousand yards on the season. That's eleven seasons in a row now, or something that he's gone over a thousand yards. The guy is a talent, and he, we saw it against the Panthers. It was deep shot after deep shot to him, and he had three touchdowns on the day. He is not a guy who you can take lightly. Yep, a little bit quiet before then, but like you said, he demonstrated on, on the Panthers. The man knows how to finish a run as well. He can put that ball in the end zone as well as any other wide receiver in the league. And with those kind of yards, he's always going to be a threat. Uh, the next team up, or the, we've reached the wild card positions. Two of the three wild card positions taken up by the NFC East. We've got the Dallas Cowboys at five and the New York Giants at six. The Dallas Cowboys come into the playoffs as the Dallas Cowboys. They do not like the playoffs. They do have to face Tom Brady in the playoffs. This is going to be really difficult. And then kind of a double barrel question on the NFC East reign. Uh, the New York Giants come in as maybe the worst playoff team to get in in the NFL. They've been pretty shaky this season. Yeah, I mean, they looked they looked excellent at the start of the season, um, those Giants. But they really are coming in on a, on a poor run of form. They have scraped a couple of wins there in the last couple of weeks. But still, they are a, a shaky, shaky football team. And I can't see them lasting too long. Now, with the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think this is a playoffs thing. I think this is a end-of-season thing, right? They stunk against the Commanders there last week. And that was in a game where there were playoff implications, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the mm -hmm. day, they could have gone through as the number one seed overall in the NFC had they won that game and a couple of other permutations went along. But it wasn't out of the question. At the time, the Eagles were losing in their football game and still they could not get the job done against a Commanders team who were, were out of it. They were out of contention. They were starting Sam Howell, their third string uh, quarterback and he ran all over them uh, mm -hmm. so yeah I, I'm, I'm worried about this Cowboys team but they do have that two-headed monster in the backfield Zeke Elliott Tony Pollard they're going to get yards on the ground and when you get yards on the ground you're always in with a chance of winning games yeah and look I know the Dallas fans anyone listening is is gonna see my bias coming from a mile away they know I'm a Washington fan now at this point uh, and there is a certain bias against Dak Prescott but I feel like these are important games for him. He has to win a playoff game. Once he does, then I think that takes the monkey off his back. I think all bets are off on the Dallas Cowboys. If they play really well in this playoff game against Tom Brady, not only will they now have beaten Tom Brady in the playoff, got Dak Prescott his first win, shaken off the Washington loss, I think then now they become a very dangerous team in this playoff scenario. Uh, but until they win as the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs, I think it's going to be a struggle and I'm going to doubt them until they prove me wrong. And we're going to we're gonna move on because we're a little bit short of time. We're in the final team, Seattle Seahawks. As a Washington Commanders fan, a bit disappointed. We were in contention for this spot. We managed to throw it away with a week to spare. Uh, like I said, they're coming in another team maybe that's leaning on their hot start, similar to the New York Giants. Do you think they have any chance coming in as the seventh seed? Uh, I mean... 
I think the the only kind of bone that they've been thrown is the fact that they're playing against a divisional rival in the first game of the playoffs. And I mean, that's going to be a team that they know very well. And uh, it, it, it raises the blood pressure just a little bit, you know, in that locker room. You get things going. They've beaten us twice on the year. Are we going to let them do it a third time? And you can absolutely believe that those boys are going to want to take the heads off those 49ers from the very beginning of that game. Now, from a talent standpoint, they do not have what it takes to beat that 49ers team. But on any given Sunday, like we know, worst teams often win games. And I think that is one that possibly could go their way. Although, if I was to bet on it, I'd be taking the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to leave that there. Last thing we're going to talk about, Rain, this this week, uh, for us pair anyway, is what were did you feel were the biggest whiffs of the playoff? Is there any team that stands out to you that maybe either at the start of the season you expected them to make the playoffs or coming into this last stretch of games where they were in a commanding position that you felt had them in the driver's seat that they ended up missing the playoff? Is there one or two teams that stand out to you in that scenario? Well, I think it's quite obvious. The one standout team is the Green Bay Packers. I had them chosen as my Super Bowl winners this year. Um, and they just have not lived up to the billing, particularly in the first part of the season. So they, they, they didn't do well there. But then they got hot, right? They gave themselves the permutations at the end of the season where they all they needed to do was beat the, the Detroit Lions, who they have absolutely owned for the past 20 years, and they could not do it. A team that was already eliminated from the playoff scenarios. I, I don't understand how they got that bad that quickly after being very, very good in the last couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, they whiffed twice by my estimation. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, can't go anywhere. Like I said in the game, or I said in our coverage last week, I said you don't bet against... Uh, Aaron Rodgers in these scenarios, he always makes the playoffs when you give him a chance to. And for once, he's let his team down. Who knows where he's going to be? There's a lot of talk about him not being in Green Bay next season. We'll talk about that again in the offseason, so stay tuned uh, for that. But I will float one more name to you. And maybe not a surprise from the start of the season, but given how well they started the season and the two other teams that we already talked about, the Giants and the Seahawks that got in off the back of those hot starts. I think New York Jets, they're going to be very disappointed. They were in a very commanding position, and they were playing good football. And for me, it really came down to a bit of naive coaching. They really wanted to put in um, the young quarterback, even though Flacco was playing well. Then they got very unlucky after Mike White went down, and they had to go back to um, Zach Wilson. Uh, and I, I think that was their real problem. I think relying on him, he had a terrible year. He's been out in the media now saying, oh, if they bring in another veteran, I'm going to make life hell for him. And I have to say, if he keeps playing like that, it'll be a no-brainer who's going to start on the bench. Yeah, no, 100%. And that that's the way it looks from from the outside, is that they're a quarterback away. right? The, the, the quarterbacks that they are bringing in, Joe Flacco, although he is a former MVP, he is not the guy he used to be. Mike White, I mean, he's got a lot of, you know, chutzpah about him, but he's just not the guy. And mm-hmm. even at one stage, Wilson got benched for Streveler. And Streveler is an undrafted free agent. He's basically... Um, he's like Taysom Hill all he can do is run the football 
um, and he ended up looking better than uh, Wilson at the time. So, yeah, I feel bad for the Jets in that respect that they really need a guy at quarterback. They do not have that. Um, so we'll see moving into next season. Maybe they can get their hands on Aaron Rodgers. And uh, if they do that, now you're looking at a team who can really cause problems in the playoffs. Yep, certainly want to keep an eye out on. That's all we have time for today for our Week 18 Roundup. We hope you guys have enjoyed listening to what we felt were the big talking points coming out of Week 18. As we said, the regular season's over. No one really cares about that unless you're one of the teams that didn't make the playoffs. And now all you have to do is talk until next September comes around about how your team's almost definitely going to win the Super Bowl this time. Stay tuned. The lads will have a show coming up later in the week where they will preview the Super Wildcard Weekend, give you the full in-depth analysis of where they think the matchups can be won and lost for both of the teams. But for now, from myself and from Rian, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. And we will see you guys later in the week.